My name is Davros Panzaris. I'm the uh, country managing partner of EY Cyprus. Earlier this morning, we heard from the Minister of Transport, Communications and Work, as well as from the uh, Deputy Shipping Minister, about the country's potential of becoming a regional maritime logistics and energy hub. Well, it is true that the oil and gas developments over the last few years created a positive momentum for Cyprus. ENI and Sudal have recently completed a successful drill in Block 6, and uh, ENI is expected to engage into a new drill uh, later on this month, while ExxonMobil and its partner, Qatar Petroleum, are already planning their drilling activity uh, on Block 10 towards the end of this year. These global energy clients are investing, continue to invest in seismic studies and are planning to use the marine and oil and gas services facilities uh, in the multi-purpose terminal in the Limassol port, which is currently operated by BP Wealth. At the same time, considerations are currently being made for expanding the port at the Basilico area where BTTI invested in a 300 million euro project uh, back in 2014 in establishing uh, an oil storage and management facilities terminal, which is often referred to as the uh, Mediterranean Energy Hub. Well, all these developments, together with the regional partnerships with neighboring countries, lead to the development of Cyprus as an energy, maritime, and logistics hub, and surely offer investors with many business and investment opportunities. At this point, let me introduce to you our today's panelists, which comprise distinguished guests from key international players with many years of experience in the maritime, logistics, and energy section sector. Uh, I have to know that earlier this morning I received a call from Mr. Alessandro Barberis, the CEO of ENI, who informed me that uh, considering the current developments in the exclusive economic zone of Cyprus, he's engaged into various other meetings and discussions, so he asked me to convey his apologies to all of you for not being able to, to join this discussion. So to, to my left, to introduce our panelists, is Mr. Charles Mibi, General Manager of DP World Cyprus Operations. <coughs> to his left is Mr. Varnavas Theodosiu, Lead Country Manager of ExxonMobil Exploration and Production in Cyprus. To his left is Mr. Panayotis Christodoulou, Administrations Director of SCF Management Services in Cyprus. And last but not least, to his left, we have Mr. George Papanastasiu, the CEO of VTT Basilico. Right, before we engage into our discussion, I would first like to present a two-minute video which highlights some additional important uh, and sensitive issues that provide food for thought uh, for the energy companies. Can we please play the video?
provoking questions have been put on the table. How do we make energy more accessible, affordable, and secure? What technologies will lead our transformation to a low carbon society? What will be the energy mix in 20 years from now? Will the oil age come to an end? Well, if this comes true, it will not be because we've run out of oil. Something better and cheaper will come along. And the question is, how will the oil and gas companies of today become the energy companies of tomorrow? Well, I do hope that all these points have set the scene for our discussion. Let me, without no further ado, uh, let me start with Mr. Charles Meby from DP World Cyprus for his introductory remarks and for his views regarding the opportunities for investment and support in our region. Charles, how does the current logistics base assist the international oil companies during the exploration phase? started operations almost exactly one year ago on the 29th of January last year. Uh, our job is to manage the area you see there in, uh, in the Limassol port. It's uh, more than 300,000 square meters, 1.6 kilometers of deep water uh, burn skis. And uh, we, we do all the, the management of the terminal, uh, the safe movement of cargoes from vessel through the terminal run out. What have we done uh, in terms of organizing the terminal? We've cut it into three aspects. Uh, the passenger aspect, where the new passenger terminal opened last summer. Uh, the green area you can see on the, uh, the side there is for the general cargoes, domestic cargoes, roll on, roll off, bolts, etc. And uh, we've designated a very large swathe of land, uh, more than 100,000 square meters, to uh, support the offshore oil and gas activities. Uh, and the key length there is more than 400 meters, uh, so you can accommodate four platforms, four vessels. In fact, we can double bank so you could get eight vessels there. In that area, we've again uh, <coughs> master planned it such that we can support uh, three offshore uh, ex uh, explorations at any one time. Uh, we've taken that through a full uh, permitting process, environmental impact assessment. Uh, for the long term, um, and that uh, we've worked very closely with uh, the environmental authorities for the permitting, with the local municipalities, etc., and uh, those permits have been completed. Uh, the area you can see there is split into effectively A, B, and C, and then some spare land in B and E. Um, it also includes covered space and uh, bonded areas where we've bonded with the customs authority so goods could be held in transit. Uh, we've already had some success working with uh, various different companies and we hope to work with more. There's a few names up there um, that are operating within the multi-purpose site today. And uh, you heard from Stavros the first P&I drilling that was successful in, uh, in the block six earlier this year uh, was uh, supported by a shore base in Limassol. And there's some photographs of that activity. It's a pretty, when you go and see it, it's pretty basic. It, uh, you know, it consists of open space, um, a bulk handling plant, a uh, pipe storage plant, and uh, equipment to load safely on and off the vessels. We've also been uh, supporting other activities with respect to offshore uh, development. So the Zor fields um, where the, uh, the pipe lines for 
taking the gas from the Zorfield to shore. The pipes landed Limassol, uh, held here, reloaded, and also the pipeline vessel, which you can see in that picture, was mobilized in Limassol. So what do we do? Well, we support. We're, we're the enabler. We're here to help lead the trade, um, to provide the platform for them to undertake their activities, uh, to ensure that the terminal is safe, secure, uh, well managed, to invest. Uh, we train our staff to international standards uh, needed, and uh, that, that's our job. So thank you. Thank you, Charles. come back to you later on. Moving now to Mr. Varnava, still the CEO from ExxonMobil for his introductory remarks and for giving us an update on Exxon's uh, exploration plans in the region. Varnava, what role can Cyprus play in the region for the commercialization of uh, hydrocarbon resources? Uh, thank you, Tavro. I can get this to work. Let me take you through... Let me take you through... A uh, few slides from our global energy outlook, which represents our view of energy demand through 2014. We use this to support our business in making long-term investments, <coughs> together with our partners and with the host governments. So as the global population increases by about 30%, from currently 7.3 billion to 9.1 billion in 2040, and the middle class doubles in the next 15 years, without efficiency improvements, global energy demand would have a significant increase. You can see the dotted line on the chart. But actual demand is expected to increase uh, by only about, if I can use the word only, 25% uh, to 2040, reflecting large savings due to efficiency improvements. And this demand growth will come from non-OECD nations where energy use will rise by about 40%, led by China, India, and mainly other Asia-Pacific countries. The non-OECD share of global energy demand reaches about 70% in 2040, as efficiency gains and modest economic growth help keep the OECD energy demand relatively flat, as you can see on the right-hand side chart. So how will this energy mix evolve? Growth in global energy demand will be led by electricity generation mainly as the largest and fastest growing demand sector. About 55% of the world's energy demand growth over the next quarter century about will be tied to power generation to support our increasingly digital and plugged in lives. So as a consequence of this trend, there will be a large uptick in demand for the types of fuels uh, and energy that are used to generate electricity. So, notably for less carbon-intensive sources, such as the natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind. Oil, as you can see on the right-hand side chart, will still remain the world's primary energy source through 2040, meeting about one-third of that demand. Natural gas will grow the most of any energy type, by about 45%, reaching a quarter of all demand and displacing coal as the second largest fuel. 
Coal, of course, will still remain important in some parts of the world, but loses significant share as the world transitions towards energy sources with lower emissions. Lastly, nuclear and renewables will be growing strongly, contributing close to 40% of the incremental energy supplies needed to meet that demand growth. Turning now to natural gas, and particularly into LNG, we see that Europe and Asia Pacific account for about 90% of the global gas imports. Specifically for LNG, Global trade rises more than 2.5 times from 2015 to 2014, with the rapidly growing economies in, in Asia Pacific accounting for over two-thirds of that growth. Although we expect energy demand in Europe to essentially peak, pipe gas and LNG import will grow to offset production decline and the shift from the coal. So you can see, see that on, on the right-hand side. Uh, chart on that uh, slide. So subject to successful exploration programs, commercialization options for Cyprus gas could be well positioned to supply markets in Europe and probably beyond. Furthermore, if adequate uh, discoveries warrant, an LNG plant in Cyprus could be one of the lead options. So that takes us to the last slide. I would like to provide to you a short update of our exploration activities in Cyprus. So together with our partner, Kadar Petroleum, we are planning drilling operations with an objective to drill two back-to-back -back exploration wells in Block 10, starting in the second half of 2018. We have acquired 3D seismic data, we have processed them, evaluated them, and we have identified already the top targets. The well design, the baseline surveys, and the permitting are well underway. We are, uh, we are uh, engaged into various contracting activities, basically for the drill ship. We, were, we would be able, I hope, to announce the drill ship in a couple of weeks. Uh, short base and, and other activities which are pro progressing as per plan. Thank you, Varnava. We do look forward to closely following the uh, uh, drilling activity uh, by Exxon in the area. Moving now to Mr. Panayotis Christodoulou from Sofconflot for his initial remarks as regards Sofconflot's investments on the island to date uh, and for sharing his views on any new business opportunities in the Cyprus oil and gas sector such as maybe the potential of using uh, a floating storage and regasification unit, FSRU, for pumping gas to the power station at Vasiligo. Pano Panayodi. Thank you, Stavros. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests. Uh, we are Unico Management Services Cyprus Limited, and we are operating in the island for the last 27 years. Uh, we are specializing in the ship management of uh, vessels that are involved in the transportation of hydrocarbons. Uh, we, we belong to the Sokovni Group, which is the largest uh, Russian shipping company. It's a global leader in the transportation of uh, uh, maritime transportation of uh, hydrocarbons, as well as servicing, uh, support, and offshore uh, uh, production of oil and gas. Uh, the fleet size is about 150 vessels, 
uh, with a combined debt weight of more than 13 million and an average age of eight years. Uh, uh, during the years of operation, Sofkuflot uh, has accumulated uh, a unique uh, competencies in the energy shipping, being involved in the various projects, especially in the harsh environments of Arctic. Uh, a number of these projects are stated on this slide. However, I will go through a couple of them, not to waste the time, uh, productive time. Uh, first one is the Sagalin, uh, uh, Sagalin One project. This was the first time Sofkoflot was involved in the uh, in the transportation uh, uh, from uh, the Arctic region, the offshore project. Uh, this was involved. This involved the development of unique Arctic shuttle tankers that were able to lift uh, crude oil from the gas tree uh, around the world, around the year. So the, the icy conditions was not a barrier. And uh, proudly we can say that from 2006 until today, uh, we have successfully lifted 100 million tons of crude oil from the gas tank. Uh, another project is again associated with Sagalin, and is the uh, development uh, built of unique ice-breaking supply and standby vessels. These vessels uh, serve almost all the needs of the offshore platforms of uh, Sakhar Energy and Exxon Netflix. Uh, yet another uh, uh, Arctic shuttle tanker, uh, Sturman Panov, it was uh, uh, worked as the ship of 2016, and uh, is also involved in the harsh climatic conditions of the Arctic. Um, we also uh, have two uh, modern uh, marine 3D seismic vessels. And last but not the least, uh, we have the Christophe de Magerie, which is the first uh, uh, ice-breaking energy carrier in the world. It was the winner of the Global Energy Award last year. Um, we are interested in Cyprus because we have the expertise. Uh, we see that there are a lot of developments here, and we can uh, contribute to that. Uh, currently, we are supervising the construction of a modern FSRU, uh, which we think will be uh, able to be deployed serving the, the gas needs of Cyprus. Moving now to Mr. George Fabanastasiu from VGT Vasiligo for his introductory remarks. George, on what grounds has uh, VTTI chosen Cyprus? Uh, and also, um, what is your view on the potential of Cyprus to develop into an oil trading hub? Uh, thank you, Stavros. Thank you for the, to the organizers as well for inviting us uh, here to present uh, what uh, we believe is the biggest infrastructure investment in Cyprus over the recent years. It's an energy infrastructure, it's 300 million investment. And uh, it's equity which uh, has been brought, uh, it was imported equity, and uh, it's exactly what Cyprus needed at the time that we started the investment back in 2012. In fact, we employ 48 locals, and, uh, highly academically, highly knowledgeable people, and we developed internally in the organization the, uh, the knowledge in order to run um, a terminal which we call in the system in VTTI, which is a global group, 
um, the Mediterranean's uh, oil storage hub, uh, and uh, we believe it's developing to a hub for the region. What you see, what you see here, by the way, is um, let me just go back if I can go back. Okay, this is uh, the real uh, jetty, which uh, at the time we had uh, four vessels, but they were doing different things. Um, uh, they were moving products uh, between uh, oil products between uh, the vessels. Uh, we were blending uh, off-spec products uh, onshore and pushing them back onto the different the other vessels, which is they are on the other side of the of the jetty. In fact, uh, the terminal is not just an oil storage terminal. It's a terminal where we blend products, we correct uh, specifications of oil, and uh, we get uh, products from the Black Sea, which usually you cannot uh, trade in the European Union, we correct them, and then the traders, they move them to the, to the European Union markets. Uh, we do not own the molecules, just to make it clear. We own the facilities, we have the expertise, and the molecules, meaning the oil, they, uh, depend, they belong to our customers. We operate like a hotel, where we get the residents, uh, people in and out of, of this terminal. What you see here is uh, the terminal uh, uh, itself. Uh, it uh, consists of 28 tanks. The total capacity is 544,000 cubes, which is uh, in one terminal is higher than the total capacity that the Cyprus has um, uh, in total. Um, the, we can store products, all white products as we call them, or clean products, which is gasoline, diesel, we cannot store at this point in time uh, fuel oil, which is what uh, vessels they currently burn, um, because that's the phase two for our terminal. That's the phase, uh, it's an expansion development that we plan for the next years. You know, uh, for, uh, for our visitors, uh, Vasiliko, VTT Vasiliko is based between uh, Limassol and uh, Lanaka. It's uh, well located, and uh, in the future, if and when the, the shipping sanctions are lifted uh, uh, by Turkey imposed on Cyprus. You understand that this terminal sits very well uh, in, uh, in the south uh, part of Turkey in order to supply Turkey from, uh, from, from our facilities, our traders to supply Turkey from our facilities. Why Cyprus? And uh, this is what I'm going to show here because that's a question that uh, Stavros keeps uh, asking me. Uh, you see in the Eastern Mediterranean, we have uh, uh, product uh, fuel oil which is coming out of the Black Sea. You know that the Bosporus Straits, they are shallow waters. You get the products out in small shipments. And uh, in order to go to Asia for burning, you need to collect it and uh, you do the so-called building bulk. So you collect it to a oil storage terminal and then a vessel out of Asia comes and picks it up from Cyprus. Of course, for this red product, the fuel oil, we do not have uh, as uh, currently the, the capacity in order to service this uh, particular uh, flow of, uh, of, of this product. Middle distillates, they are coming out from the Middle East. The huge refineries, uh, mostly in Saudi Arabia, in the Red Sea, they take products uh, to Europe. The reason is uh, middle distillates is diesel. You understand that Europe is uh, mostly diesel uh, driven and uh, there is uh, quite uh, a large flow of uh, middle distillates towards uh, the west, which is uh, Europe. For gasoline, there is, um, um, uh, Europe is long in uh, gasoline production, and then you see the arrow, <coughs> which moves uh, from uh, left to right, which is uh, west to east, and then it goes to middle, middle east. In fact, uh, the oil terminal sits very well 
to support uh, all these arrows. In the future, we expect that this uh, middle distillate, the orange arrow, will uh, uh, increase considerably simply because we see in Europe shutting down of refineries and we see uh, more development in the Middle East with bigger refineries. So the future, we believe that it will be a bigger arrow coming out from the Middle East for all products, not just middle distillates. Of course, there is lots of ship-to-ship -ship, uh, happening in the open uh, sea uh, near Cyprus. Uh, we have the Suez Canal nearby. You understand that ship-to-ship uh, -ship means uh, two vessels, a mother vessel and a sister vessel gets uh, next to each other. And they, uh, there are uh, oil movements between the two vessels. There is a trade which uh, touches uh, 10 million approximately uh, tons a year of uh, exchange. So 10 million of oil products in quantity, the exchange tons in the open sea near, near uh, Cyprus. So this is um, a business, a potential that we can get it uh, on the jetty of uh, TV. Thank you, George. Uh, we do look forward. Well, before I open the discussion to the floor, uh, and you may start thinking about uh, possible questions to our panelists, let me ask uh, a couple of questions. Charles, uh, what are the uh, major challenges that you foresee over the next couple of years, and, and how are you addressing these challenges? Um, for us in the terminal, uh, We've got plenty of space at the moment. Um, I think uh, as the exploration continues, um, there may come a point when there's going to be a premium on space. Uh, but right now, there's ample space. So uh, let's hope that that becomes a problem. I think that would be a fantastic thing uh, if it does. Um, I think the, the challenge also will be in terms of people uh, to ensure that they uh, are trained at the right standards and, and meet the needs of the, the IOCs in terms of accreditation of these things. That's a, that's a very important piece in, in the picture. So those people who are doing the reading, the loading and the offloading are of, of the right standard. Um, and then, uh, of course, ensuring that we, we have the equipment. So the right types of equipment and plant. Uh, we, we can uh, base the terminal around the needs. Uh, I think that comes around to good pre-warning, pre-planning with with the operators, actually what do they need and what, what is required. And we can respond to those challenges. Thank you, Charles. Varnava, um, considering that the price of oil and gas remains at relatively low levels, and oil and gas companies incurred huge losses during the last couple of years, is there still enough capital to invest in our region? In other words, are companies still willing to invest in today's uh, low price environment? Well, I can talk about ExxonMobil uh, in, in two ways. ExxonMobil here for Cyprus and ExxonMobil globally. Actually, ExxonMobil globally has just announced their capital expenditure for 2018, which is higher than 2017. So they are ramping up exploration and production activities globally. So in spite of the price of oil, um, uh, exploration and the production expenditure are increasing. Uh, for Cyprus, Stavros, uh, let me remind you that we did bid for offshore block 10, uh, mid-2016. The price of oil at that time was lower than now. So 
uh, and that's why I showed the charts before, we have a, a long-term view of things. Uh, these projects are projects for 30, 40, 50 years. So we don't base our uh, you know, investment uh, decisions on the price of the day. We have a longer-term uh, view of things, and that's uh, how we, we base our decisions. Thank you, Bernardo. Indeed. Panagiotis, uh, what in your opinion are the uh, drivers for international market players to turn their interest to Cyprus? Uh, what are the benefits of using Cyprus in, in your opinion? Well, um, apart from the, from the traditional drivers that we know operating from an EU environment in a transparent and safe manner, uh, ease of doing business, infrastructure, uh, excellent uh, labor force, multilingual, uh, legal, financial services, uh, ports, airports. <coughs> Apart from all these, I would say we have a strong maritime cluster. And the people in this room here, I mean, how many of these people are talent? They are all local. So it proves that we have a strong uh, shipping community. And it's easy to do business in this area. Uh, if, you, if you go to a restaurant on a weekday, you will see a ship manager uh, serving his ship owner, you will see uh, a supply company next uh, next table, and at the end of the day, you will see that all the all the, uh, the people in the restaurant are coming from the shipping cluster. Uh, apart from that, I would like to also uh, stress the tonnage type system that uh, we need to preserve, if not improve. Uh, of course, for the offshore exploitation, there would be some prerequisite to qualify. Uh, however, it's something that we should focus on. Thank you, Panayuri. George, talking about the uh, import of gas for the purpose of power generation, can Cyprus meet the target of January 2020, after which the EU will be imposing heavy penalties on emissions from uh, power generation? Uh, thank you, Stavro. Uh, just to brief uh, people what uh, has been happening over the last years in, uh, in Cyprus, there were four efforts to import LNG in Cyprus uh, to convert it uh, to, to gasify in order to use it for power generation. Uh, this time, I think uh, we cannot uh, afford uh, a fifth uh, failure, uh, simply because uh, there will be serious uh, penalties on emissions placed on on power generation, and this is something which uh, the government has become very sensitive over the last months. What, um, what we see, uh, there, there are different ways of reducing emissions, of course, in power generation. However, the best is to use cleaner products, and the cleaner product, the one clean product that we can use is uh, the burn, uh, burning uh, natural gas. Of course, in a country where uh, we talk uh, a lot about uh, offshore findings of natural gas, and we haven't seen anything on the ground as yet, uh, but we uh, are uh, optimistic that we will see it sometime shortly um, uh, being commercialized. Um, we believe that the, the way forward is uh, the solution that Panayotis referred to and, uh, and Barnabas as well about the natural gas being the one product that, uh, that is, uh, is, is clean and uh, it, we see quite a lot of, of, uh, of growth in that uh, market sector. The, uh, the expectation of for the next, uh, for the next uh, couple of uh, months uh, is that we will see DEFA. DEFA is, uh, is the public uh, company for natural gas inviting a tender to import LNG 
uh, and recalcifying it on a floating vessel which we call FSIU. FSIU is a floating supply recalcification unit. Uh, our facilities in VTTV and the offshore jetty that we have there can be very quickly converted into um, a place where we can keep uh, the FSRU bird and then we get an LNG carrier supplying the FSRU next to it and we calcify the product and we push it towards the power station which sits exactly next to, the, to our terminal uh, for burning. So in answering your question, um, uh, Stavros, Yes, it is possible. It has to be done uh, this uh, time of uh, this time. We cannot afford any failure simply because we don't want to see uh, on the consumer bill, electricity bill, uh, to be doubling or getting three times what we pay today. And of course, as you know, the importance of electricity, uh, uh, keeping it uh, uh, low as cost, very much relates to the economy of the country, which is the most important thing these days. Thank you. Thank you, George. I will now. I would now like to open the discussion and ask whether there are any questions from the floor. Please uh, raise your hand, and uh, somebody will bring to you the the microphone. Are there any questions from the floor? I have a question for Mr. Teodosio. Assuming the efforts of ExxonMobil succeed, and and I hope they they will. What are the prevailing views for the transfer of this gas to Europe? Very good question. Thank you. Uh, there are a number of commercialization options for Cyprus gas, and, uh, but all depends on quantities. Uh, our lead option would be an LNG plant in Cyprus. Pipe it to Cyprus, liquefy it, and then export it. But that needs enough quantities to make a project uh, viable and feasible. Uh, because a project like that would cost about 12 to 13 billion dollars. Uh, so it needs enough quantities which Cyprus doesn't have yet. So that's why the next year, the exploration activities of the next year will be important towards that. Uh, 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 option. Now, could be other options as well. Could be pipe to Egypt, could be pipe to Europe, and could be liquefied on seizure through a floating LNG and then exported, or a basket of those options. But uh, everything depends on quantities, on uh, quality, and a few other technical parameters to make those projects more or less viable. Again, it depends on quantities. Like uh, we, 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 we hear a lot about the ISMET. ISMET, it's, a, it's a, an expensive project, but it could be feasible depending on quantities. So it needs adequate quantities in order to justify that project. So again, this year would be crucial. Thank you, Varnava. Uh, a question from Mr. Tsarliris. Yes, yes, George. Yes. I just wanted to add uh, to this, um, to, to your question on the following that uh, what is best is your question. Uh, best, it depends uh, technically best or geopolitically best. Simply because uh, uh, the, the two, they can be in conflict. 
they realize that, especially now with the ENI vessel uh, being blocked by, by Turkey, you understand that the best is a very subjective, uh, 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 let's say, uh, uh, term. So, uh, my opinion had always been that uh, gas findings can be very toxic in a region. And especially if it's a, a region that is heavy with uh, politics, it can be even more toxic. And you have to be very careful. So, if your question is about technical solution, I can give you the answer. If it's geopolitics, then I cannot give you the answer, I'm afraid. Okay, thanks, Van Lamas. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want to touch on that, but you did. <laughs> Please, a question from Mr. Tsavlidis. Yes, uh, what I followed through this, uh, this project in Cyprus, which is going on for many years now, from what I gather, I just want to ask you to clarify, uh, it seems the preferred option has been the transportation by the compressed gas. And I understand that you can't really even think, contemplate using pipelines it's because the subsurface, I think when I get it, it goes to about two or three thousand meters in most areas. And then you've got over two thousand meters of subsoil. And also the actual infra, the whole confrontation, the whole nature of the seabed in this particular area is not conducive for having any form of pipeline which won't deteriorate or won't break over the years. And besides that, to go and cope with the seabed, which is so erratic, there will be a massive amount of costly to contemplate on pipelines. And the pipelines, as you remember years ago, there have been all kinds of schemes, had kind of fancy terminologies like Eastern, I mean, had these very various uh, terms or, or names behind them. But from what I gather, I just wanted to clarify, is, is the pipeline option still there, or do you think that you're going to go for compressed gas? And secondly, would you contemplate with the joint ventures and the cooperation which you've had with Egypt and uh, Israel and etc., and also Greece for that matter, would you contemplate Cyprus being a hub for Europe? I think all options are on the table, still on the table. And the government is working uh, uh, hard uh, uh, the, the pipeline option. Uh, I, I think they got uh, money from the European Union to go ahead with feasibility study, so that's on the table. And, uh, but uh, equally, the, the, the liquefied, I would call it, instead of compressed, option is still on the table, subject whatever it contains. The, the rule of thumb is that if you pipe the gas to a country, liquefy it, and then export it, the benefit to the GDP is three times versus just pipe it out. So that's why this is one of our lead options, and it gives you more independence. But I wouldn't rule out any other options at this point. Thank you, Renata. Please, yes. It's just one more question, sorry. Um, I'm very friendly with a guy called Kostas who happened to be one of the researchers in his base in Greece, also for the government. Now, he's mentioned on various occasions, and I think this is very encouraging for Cyprus, is that the gas reserves, the known gas reserves, and there's always a bit of a, a hidden question as to what gas reserves are actually there, but the word has it that the gas, or the oil and gas, the energy, a supply of the East Mediterranean is sufficient to accommodate the entire energy requirements of Europe for the next hundred years. True or false? If I knew the answer to that, I would be a billionaire. <laughs> I don't. I mean, just I will give you some global statistics. Uh, out of the three exploration projects, 
out of the three holes we are drilling, two are dry. So nobody can tell today, before drilling, what's out there. So let's, let's wait for this year to pan out before we answer that question. Thank you, Bernava. In the interest of time, I will allow one more question, as long as it is not addressed to Bernavas. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of the mission to seafarers, I would like to thank DP World and Eurogate not being here today, that you have managed after the ports got privatized to give access to the seafarers, mission to seafarers again. You know it has been closed uh, for all the time. Now it's open again. Thank you very much for this. On behalf of all the seafarers, keep on doing a good job in your ports. Perhaps if we can have a say on to yes. that yes. point. Uh, it's a very important facility, um, and it has some challenges, to be honest, hosting it in the port from a, a health and safety perspective. And I believe it is actually upon us all within the Cyprus uh, community and the shipping community to support that facility uh, in the port. And we should come together and really make it something world class and something to be proud of in hosting uh, these ladies and gentlemen who are working aboard the vessels. Thank you, Charles. George, perhaps a final statement, closing remark? Um, just um, uh, a closing remark for me is that uh, we need, um, given what is happening at this point in time in Cyprus, which is uh, uh, energy and uh, the gas findings has become uh, a fashion. Uh, we need um, to keep uh, calm and keep going. That's the message that I wanted to give generally, simply because we, we do not need to be impatient. Uh, just to give you an idea of what is happening, what has happened in other countries, the, the neighboring country of, country of Israel, they have been searching for uh, decades in order to have uh, the Tamas and the Leviathans these days that uh, they are about to be commercialized, I mean, after 20 and 25 years. And uh, Varnavas, by giving us uh, every three wells, the two are dry, you can understand that the probabilities are on the low side sometimes. And even if it's one to over three, which is 33%, uh, it's on the high side, in my opinion, still. However, technology is developing. So as a closing remark, we have to be patient. We have not to be using this as a subject for politics. We need to keep low profile, below the radar screen, and, uh, and progress. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I think we have reached the end of this session. I would like to thank all the panelists for their interesting and insightful remarks and for their positive contribution to the discussion and we wish them uh, every success in their future endeavors. Thank you very much. Thank you. So now we have the